When Paul begins his discussion of what real love is, he begins with the words, love is patient. When I read these and I recognize, you know, you dwell on them for a little while, you realize that he's beginning by jumping in the deep end. It's like going to the pool on the first day it's open and diving in the deep end. It is that shock of cold when you recognize that at the beginning of this list is for us perhaps the most difficult aspect of love. Love is patient. We began last week a series entitled Love Real. And we discovered that love is the most excellent way. That it it is the best way of all. It is the way to which we're called. We also discovered that God is love. And that if we are to reflect God's character, then our character should also love. You see, you and I are called, as the Bible says, to live a life filled with love following the example of Christ. And so what we have before us beginning today is a challenge. A challenge to be more like Christ. Not just in the things that we aren't doing that maybe the rest of the world is doing, but in doing things that the rest of the world finds absolutely ludicrous. Expressing love, showing forgiveness, and being patient. And so we want to begin today in a journey of discovering what real love is and then be challenged to really, really love. Now, some of you, even if you didn't go to seminary, know that there are numerous words in the Greek language that have been translated into the word love. One of those words, probably least, the least frequently used, is storge. Storge is a word that basically means affection. It's that way that you feel parent to child, child to parent. It's deep. It's affectionate. Then there's the word that we're most familiar with, well, probably secondly most, would be phileo. And because the Philadelphia, the city, comes from this, and Philadelphia is called the city of brotherly love. Well, phileo is actually that kind of, of love that is probably more, more of a friendship kind of love than a family kind of love. Storge is more the family kind of love. But it is when you've got someone about whom you feel that, that this person's as close as a brother or as close as a sister, that's the kind of love it's talking about here. The third word is eros. Eros is which we get our word erotic, and it has to do with romantic or sexual love. And all these have their place, certainly. But there's a fourth word, and that word is agape. Agape is unconditional love. It is God's kind of love. It is that love that you and I um, are supposed to be able to express. It's, It's unconditional. It's forgiving. It has no ifs, ands, or buts. Donald Burdick, in his commentary on John's letters, writes of agape love that agape love is love that is initiated by the lover because he wills to love. 
not because of the value or lovableness of, a, of the person loved. Agape is self-giving and is not interested in what it can gain, but in what it can give. It is not bent on satisfying the lover, but on helping the one loved, whatever the cost. Agape is active and is not mere sentiment cherished in the heart, nor is it mere words, however eloquent. It does involve feeling and may express itself in words, but it is primarily an attitude toward another that moves the will to act in helping to meet the need of one who is loved. That is about the best definition that I have discovered of what agape love is. It's a fullness to it. It is not self-centered. It is selfless. It looks after the needs of others, placing their needs ahead of our own. And you and I, that is, that's the word in 1 Corinthians 13. And you and I are called to love with that kind of selfless, agape love. And we begin with the phrase, love, that kind of love, is patient. Quite frankly, the American culture including myself, are not very big on patience. Our theme song might flow from that group from the 70s, Queen, who had a song that is sometimes used in a commercial. And it begins with four expressions, three repeated. I want it all. I want it all. I want it all. And I want it now. That is kind of the American theme song. We're not very good at waiting. At least, let me say, I'm afflicted with that malady anyway. Perhaps you've overcome that. And you're on the other side of that. So look at me with sympathy for a moment, if you will. But I am the person who stands by the microwave, watching the seconds tick off, tapping my foot, telling it to hurry up. I'm the person who gets in the elevator, pushes the button to the appropriate floor, and then begins to frantically push the closed door button, which I have discovered actually does nothing. I'm the person who gets on the escalator, whether going up or down, and walks. I don't even want to talk about getting in a line of traffic, which I've had recent experience with. You see, the American culture uh, has... I don't think it's always been as impatient as it is now. I think there was a time where we could slow down and and be more patient. But I think that era has long passed. And we see evidence of it when we go to the grocery store. And we can find instant oatmeal and minute rice. Or that the staple of the American diet is fast food. Delayed gratification is something that our parents and grandparents were well acquainted with. But I want it all, and I want it now. That's the culture. That's what you and I are saturated in. And because our economy is a consumer economy, then everything is designed to get you to want it all and to get you to want it now. You don't have to wait. You can go out and get instant credit with no credit check. And it works out just fine until they come to repossess it all. 
Some of you have been there because you want it all and you want it now. Now, you're not the only person like this. I would venture to say that patience is the virtue that, most, that we wrestle with the most. We were bred to be impatient. And we have learned our lesson quite well. But if love is patient, then should impatience be our default setting? I don't think so. But too often it's mine. So let's consider what this word patient actually means. Literally, the word means long-burning. As opposed to tossing pine kindling into a fire that burns hot and fast, this is more like a log that's just still a little bit green. And it burns for a long, long, long time. It's not easy to get lit. But once it's lit, it just burns a long time and burns slowly. That's the the phrase. As a matter of fact, in the King James and in other translations, patience is often translated with the term long-suffering, which means that you are able to endure for a long time, put up with things for a long time. That's what the word patience means. That's its derivation. Patience carries the idea of restraint or the capacity for self-control. Now, let me just add a little asterisk here. When it comes to self-control, we, you and I as believers are called to have self-control, but that self-control is something that is developed in relationship with God and comes from the Holy Spirit. And so self-control is actually putting the Holy Spirit in control of your life. St. Augustine wrote of patience, patience is the companion of wisdom. Some of the poorest decisions that I have ever made in my life have been because of impatience. Think about it. Perhaps yours too. Had I just waited a little longer, had I just thought about it a little bit more, had I just analyzed the situation and really done a cost-benefit analysis on this thing, how much How much time is this going to take? How much money is this going to take? How much effort is this going to take? But because I want it all and I want it now, then I took that leap and found myself in a place that I really didn't expect I'd be, nor did I want to be. And I'm sure that some of you may have experienced the same thing, and it's been driven by the same lack of patience. And so this morning, what we need to know is, when we're talking about love is patient, how, what, what's this love and patient stuff? How does it have an effect on my life as a follower of Jesus Christ? How can it be incorporated into my life? What do I need to know so that I can begin to exercise this patience that comes from love? And the first thing I would share with you is this. God is our example of patience that comes from a heart of love. God is our example of what it means to be patient. I mentioned this verse earlier, but let me quote it here from 2 Peter 3. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises, as some understand slowness. 
He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. What's God's motivation? God's motivation is love. God loved the world so much, he sent his son. And here's the point for us. We will become more patient toward people the more we love them. One of the reasons that I am impatient in Atlanta traffic, if I'm going to be honest, is because I'm not sure I really love those people. Nor am I certain they earn their license. One of the reasons I get impatient when I'm waiting in line is because I'm not sure I really love the people who are in line. One of the reasons I get impatient with that waiter or waitress who's serving me is because I'm not really sure that I love that person. Now that's easy for us to see when we're dealing with strangers, but what about when it comes to family? Some of the people we are most impatient with are in our own families. And I will confess that you know, when we become stressed, it even becomes even a, a greater temptation not to be patient with that person. So what's the problem here? The problem is that we have storge love. We have phileo love. We may have eros love. But we may not have plunged the depths of agape love. Agape love is selfless. When we are impatient, what are we? Selfish. I'm impatient because it's about me. That's when I'm impatient. Otherwise, I have endless patience. When you have an issue, I'm patient. It's not my issue. When I have an issue, when it's all about me, then I get impatient. So who have I put at the front of the line? me it's really very simple if we understand both love agape love and patience we see how the two tie together i can suffer and endure for a long time if i truly value the other person more than myself I cannot endure for a long time if I value myself first. It's as simple as that. When we have disagreements in our home, it is typically because I've placed myself at the front of the line and I've put Nancy or my kids behind me. Or it could be that, you know, the the line shuffles around depending on who goes to the front. But here's the problem. We're all fighting to get to the front of the line rather than fighting to get to the back of the line. Does it, is this making sense? Love is patient. God shows us an example of patience in that he is delaying the fullness and the fulfillment of his kingdom. I can imagine that God is grieved 
as he looks out on lost and sinful humanity, as he looks out at, I mean, when you and I see it on the news or read it in the paper and we see these atrocities that are done, parents are killing their kids and then shooting themselves. And we look at that and we go, how can people do this? If we feel that way about it, how must God feel that way about it? And he could put a stop to it like that. He could say, that's it. He could turn to Jesus and say, okay, go get them, boy. Go bring them home. He could bring this whole thing to a close. But what we've just read is that God, because he loves us, and because he desires that all should repent and none should perish, God delays. He puts our salvation ahead of his desire to fix it all. The second thing that we can gain from this this morning is that patience is not manufactured, but it's a fruit of the Holy Spirit. And this, this should be good news for you. You who are naturally impatient, which is probably 90%. You who are naturally impatient, there's good news. You look at that first part and you just feel guilty. Gosh, that's just not the way I am. And then you feel despair. Well, I can never get there. I can never get to the point of patience. And so this is good news for you. You do not have to manufacture this on your own. This is something that God provides for you as a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5, and 23 reads this way. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Look at there. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. What is the fruit of the Spirit? The fruit of the Spirit is what God is trying to produce in believers to make us more in the image and likeness of His Son, Jesus Christ. This is what God is trying to grow in us. And one of those things is patience. Now you say, okay, well, this is good. That means I just stick it on cruise control and let God handle it all. No. It's not saying that you have no effort in this, no part in that, that patience would just magically appear. I I cannot tell you. I'm, I'm a couple of pounds overweight, okay? I am. I'll admit it. And there are nights I go to bed and go, boy, it sure be, would be nice to wake up in the morning and be about 30 pounds lighter. And that ain't happening unless Nancy amputates something overnight. It just is, it's not happening that way. It's not by magic. And we don't go to bed at night as an impatient person and wake up the next morning as a patient person. That's not the way it works. It doesn't happen by magic. What it's meaning here is that the Holy Spirit is actively actively at work in you to produce patience when you would be otherwise impatient. He is actively working for that. The problem is that we spend a lot of our energy actively working against him, fighting what the Holy Spirit is trying to do. And if we continue to fight over time, then we become callous to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Our hearts become hardened to what the Holy Spirit's trying to do. Our ears become deaf to what the Holy Spirit's trying to do in our lives. And so we begin each day by submitting ourselves to God, by choosing His will over our wills, by declaring God's sovereignty over us, that we will live according to His promptings. And then what we're doing is attuning our ears to hear 
what the Holy Spirit says to us again. We have to get a fresh start. Maybe when you had kids and they weren't paying attention to you, you took them to the doctor and the doctor took this big old long swab thing with a kind of like a, an oversized, tooth, uh, uh, oversized Q-tip and put it in their ear and started getting the wax out. And it's kind of gross. Some of you have experienced it with your kids. But the wax kind of clogs up our ears. But when the wax is gone, the child can hear again. They still don't pay any attention, but they can hear. What we need to do is to go to God and say, God, I need you to take this large spiritual Q-tip, and I need you to clear out this wax in my ears because over time I've tuned you out. I know what you're trying to do in me because your word makes it abundantly clear, but I need a new start. I need a new beginning. I need it today. And from this moment on, I will listen to what you are saying. I will hear you. And God is good at giving second, third, fourth, and fifth chances. And so maybe that's where you need to begin today. You see, we do not manufacture patience, but we do receive it. And apply it. That's our responsibility. Not to create it, but to receive this gift and to apply it to our lives. The third aspect here is that our Christian witness is affected by our patience or our impatience. It's affected one way or the other, positively or negatively. In Jesus' discussion of how we are to be intimately connected to the Father and how we're to live in such a way as to show we're connected... He says this in John's gospel. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. There, we're back to that word fruit again, aren't we? That you bear much fruit. The fruit is what God is trying to produce in us through the Holy Spirit. And one of the things we know that God is trying to produce in us is patience. And so let's go ahead and insert that into here. This is to my Father's glory. That you show patience. Showing yourselves to be my disciples. I don't think that I am misapplying scripture, misinterpreting scripture here at all. We've just gone through a process to understand that the fruit of the Spirit is patience. Here, what what God's trying to produce in us, one of the things is patience. Therefore, we give God glory when we show patience and we show the world that we belong to Him. In other words, our actions validate our words one way or the other, or they invalidate them. If our actions are inconsistent with our words, if we say that we follow Jesus but we don't show it, we live as if we don't, then our words lose our impact. It's a do what I say, not what I do kind of thing. People are going to believe what they see above what they hear. So how you live is vitally important. The next truth is this. Patience in difficult circumstances show that we trust God. When we are patient in difficult circumstances, now i got to tell you, it's, patient, it's easy to be patient in easy circumstances, isn't it? If there's no one ahead of us, if, if the lanes are clear on the road, I can be endlessly patient. 
if there aren't four cartloads of groceries in line ahead of me, I can be endlessly patient if I get to walk right up to the thing. Patience really, patience is only shown when the, the difficulties arise, when the lines are there, when the complexities start pouring into life. Romans 8.28 says something that many of you have memorized. And we know that in all things, God, all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. We know it. We've memorized it. We've got it cross-stitched on our walls. This is an important verse for us. But do I truly believe that God is working in my circumstances for my ultimate good? Do I really believe that? I mean, that's the question. You can, you can recite this verse until you're blue in the face. If you don't receive it, believe it, it doesn't matter. Do I believe that God has a plan and a purpose for my life? If I do, why do I get so impatient? If I believe that God is working in my circumstances right now, now, everybody here has different circumstances. I know of some of your circumstances, and it could easily breed impatience. We take one case in point, and that's because it's so new and fresh for us, and because I want you to be praying for Rick and Wanda and their family with their housing stuff going on. It's easy for them to become impatient. Am I right? Okay. I figured I'd get a loud amen on that one. But it's easy to get impatient in that kind of a situation because you've got a deadline. You're trying to get all your ducks in a row. You're trying to get things done. It's easy to become impatient. But do I recognize and believe that God is working in these circumstances for my ultimate good? There's the difference, I guess. Because what he's trying to do and what I'm trying to do may not be exactly the same thing. God is far more interested in your character than he is in your comfort. And if it takes making you uncomfortable to grow your character, he's more than willing to do that. As a matter of fact, it is when we are most uncomfortable that we probably grow most. You always heard it said, don't ever pay, pray for patience. Because then God will bring circumstances into your life to try your patience. I'm here to tell you they're coming whether you ask for them or not. So you might as well go ahead and ask for the patience along with it. My attitude, you see, is a barometer of my trust level in a sovereign God. How I respond in the circumstances that I'm in is a barometer of how much I trust God. And the final truth is this. Our patience should be just as real in private as it is in public. And this is where I am truly convicted. Because if our families see a different person than the rest of the world sees, then there's something wrong. And if I could be honest with you for a moment, sometimes Nancy and my kids see a different person than you see on Sunday mornings. A person who's impatient and short, sometimes rude. And easily angered. I don't think I'm the only person in that boat. But you were making, y'all were getting awfully quiet. <laughs> Maybe it was sympathy quiet, I don't know. 
Patience is not a show we put on for the general public. It is evidence that God's love fills our hearts and that the Holy Spirit's at work in our lives. Patience should never be a show. It should be evidence that God is at work. Romans 12, 2 says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, that is, to the impatience that is bred into you in this culture, but instead be transformed, changed from the inside by the renewing of your mind. Let what God says override what your culture says. Because your culture is telling you, I want it all. I want it all. I want it all. And I want it now. And what God is saying to you is this. It's real simple. Love is patient. 